take a walk, ride, stroll, or just listen as you take hold and engage because you are now entering the Cerebral Podcast. The wordplay of the day. What is ironic about the turkey wishbone? Answer. The wishbone has to be broken in order for the wish to come true. Thought of the day comes from actor James Earl Jones. He is probably best known as the voice of Darth Vader in the Star Wars movies. He struggled with stuttering before he became an actor. He said one of the hardest things in life is having words in your heart that you can't utter. Hello friends and welcome back to the Cerebral Podcast. For new listeners, the Cerebral Podcast is me talking about my crutches as disability devices and literary devices. I also offer up personal advice to help parents, kids, and anyone else who wants to learn about my interpretation of disability engagement. I was born with spastic cerebral palsy. Spastic cerebral palsy came from being born with spinal meningitis two months prematurely in the 1970s. Spastic cerebral palsy is a movement disorder that moderately impacted my balance and coordination. The spasticity occurred because of stiff or tight or involuntary muscle movements. It primarily impacted my legs and secondarily impacted my arms and hands more mildly. I grew up in competitive schools where I was mainstreamed in the 1970s and 1980s. I was the only kid with a physical disability in school. I was sometimes forced or coerced into difficult situations because of my limited options, understandings, or lack of support. As a result, I often used my cerebral against the palsy like an oxymoron. In other words, I used my brain to work through many of my physical, environmental, and even existential challenges. Reasonable accommodation and the ADA didn't become law until 1990, or broadly accessible to me until I was at Marist College in New York in 1991. A reasonable accommodation is an adjustment made to make fair the same system for an individual like me based on a proven need. As a result of not readily having access to reasonable accommodation, I often used enriched environment examples 
to increase my own social-emotional learning. The basics of social-emotional learning now involve self-management skills and social-management skills to improve self-direction and responsible decision-making. This is episode 82. Thank you for joining me today. Preface. For the month of November, I have been talking about family issues. Today, I am talking about homeostasis. Homeostasis is the metabolic and biological processes that keeps the body functioning at equilibrium. I will be referencing homeostasis in regards to keeping the family equilibrium. In this week's Rite of Passage Experiences, or ROPE, I am talking about how my father and I never really saw eye to eye in regards to my disability. Be sure to listen for one or two things that you can take away from this episode. Now, let's both take hold and engage. According to Psychology Today, homeostasis refers to the biological processes that regulates biochemical signals and functions to keep the body in balance or equilibrium. The most important functions in humans are for regulating and monitoring for regulating and monitoring vital metabolic processes. Homeostatic processes include body temperature, oxygen, blood pressure, and glucose regulation, just to name a few. The psychology blog article said that fear and threats to homeostasis or equilibrium can cause different fight-or-flight responses. Fight-or-flight is also referred to as a more primitive survival response. During times of extreme reactions, The homeostatic functions regarding learning, attention, and consciousness can be disassociated or disconnected. In this week's Rite of Passage Experiences, or ROPE, I am talking about some misunderstandings that happened between me and my dad. My parents always helped me with the medical support and four different surgeries that I had when I was growing up. My parents also took me to weekly physical therapy and occupational therapy appointments. My dad also did physical therapy with me almost every night when I was growing up. But I was often reprimanded for not doing enough physical therapy. Episode two, has more information on the physical therapy I did and the deep relationship I had with my physical therapist. I grew up feeling shame because I couldn't keep up with my family or my friends. As I mentioned in the last episode, my dad gave me the nickname Crash Targos because I tripped or fell so much. When I fell, my dad sometimes sarcastically said he could see how much 
Physical therapy was helping me. It made me feel like I did something wrong. Being in an able-bodied family, I was just expected to keep up with the rest of my family. And if I damaged a cabinet or chipped a table during a fall, my parents seemed more concerned with the damage to the furniture. I felt like it was an afterthought, or they thought I did it intentionally. I know my dad worked hard to help me, but I grew up with the attitude that I needed to be fixed or healed, or that I did something wrong. I know that my dad was stressed out a lot, but I often felt targeted after making a mistake. My parents weren't really involved in the disability community and they didn't really know or associate with other parents of kids with disabilities. They sometimes made the mistake of having high physical expectations and they were disappointed or upset when I literally fell short of those expectations. Handwriting was a particular trigger for my dad. He saw how bad my loops and lines were in my handwriting. He didn't know how difficult it was for me, even though the school gave me a pass until I was in sixth grade. It also didn't help that I was reprimanded by my dad as I continually practiced improvement. I was sometimes kept up for hours past my bedtime to do handwriting or physical therapy. My dad didn't really understand the disability processing issues with speed, number of items being processed, or the abstraction of the situation. I was also trying to process the complexity of the different issues. If my hands didn't move fast enough, my dad's voice got louder. I tried to tell my dad about the things I was feeling or what was going on, but I often got into trouble for not responding fast enough. I also got in trouble for taking too much time to think. It was sometimes a lose-lose situation. I couldn't articulate fast enough, and when I did articulate my response, it was not good enough. I didn't have the right answer, and I was often overmatched and intimidated to provide one. My siblings were sometimes in a similar situation. They may have had processing issues or fears, but they didn't have the disability processing issues that I had and the pressure that I had to live up to expectations that I couldn't possibly reach. I couldn't keep up with the physical competitiveness or expectations because I thought and moved slower. Sometimes it just added to my dad's frustration. The other difference was that my siblings could more easily walk away. My crutches were literally out of my reach. 
my crutches became emotionally important to me because, because they were tools that I used to depend on and to navigate the world. That was even when my parents couldn't understand. I was also forced to do physical therapy at home and although personal training and personal development later became my education and physical therapy, doing therapy for my dad or to maintain his homeostasis was not my choice or my goal. On the other hand, my physical therapist worked with me and we worked together or in collaboration. When it came to my dad's authoritative commands, obedience was done more to avoid trouble and conform to family standards. My dad had trouble understanding the physical and other complexities that came with the cerebral palsy. I'm sure my dad loved me and always has, but the unreasonable nature of trying to maintain of trying to maintain homeostasis with a disability in an able-bodied family often left me with a fight or flight response and an inability to flee or take flight. So I was sometimes left to just freeze. My dad also probably doesn't remember many of the situations because of the more primitive fight or flight responses blocked many of the learning functions or higher self-awareness. I could not defend myself verbally or physically. Even when I was trying with all my heart to move or speak, I'm sure my dad wished I wasn't broken. But I ironically learned a better way to manage my disability devices because of the cognitive dissonance that my dad had. As a reminder, cognitive dissonance is the anxiety that exists from contradictory ideas or beliefs and attitudes. I was a walking oxymoron with my crutches. I used my cerebral against the palsy like an oxymoron. Since those experiences and beyond, my crutches became not only a part of me, but the crutches also became an extension of me. For many people without disabilities, crutches signify weakness, but it's the person behind the crutches or disability devices that is empowering or operating themselves. My dad and I did not see eye to eye because he didn't understand the depth of what I was dealing with. But now I know that he has literally and thankfully realized some of the breakthroughs since that time over 30 years ago. The frustration and intimidation made me vulnerable many times to freeze in many situations as an adult. Were there one or two things that you heard in this episode that you could lean into? There are more resources in the show notes. Thank you for allowing me to be a voice inside your head. Please share this podcast with someone you know. Were there one or two specific things that you learned or liked? 
Would you mind joining and sharing it on the Cerebral Podcast Facebook group? You can listen to the show on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you to the listeners who support the show on the Cerebral Podcast Facebook group. I invite you to join the group. You can also email the show at thecerebralpodcast at gmail.com or send questions, comments, or ideas for the show. And remember, it takes effort to be vulnerable, be accountable, and be respectful in the way you treat others and yourself. You can be the biggest variable in your life when you take ownership. Now, take hold, engage in your world. You are now leaving the Cerebral Podcast. I never give up.